Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Ned Bellavance, Ned1313 on Twitter, and welcome to the Daily Check-In for May 25th, 2021. It is Tuesday, but not a Taco Tuesday. It's a stir-fry Tuesday. <laughs> the kids want stir-fry, so that is, that's what we're doing today. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about that, actually. We haven't done stir-fry in a while, and I do enjoy stirring it up in the wok. So that will be fun. A little bit of rice, a little bit of good times. How you doing? Let's check in. What's going on? How are, how are things with you? You have a good evening planned with delicious food and friends and family? I hope so. I hope you've got something good planned for you. And if you don't, go out and plan something. You, you deserve it. You've earned it. Summer's coming, and uh, I'm pretty excited about that. And even though the temperatures are rising, you know what? It's, it's going to be a good summer. I can feel it. Much better than last year. <laughs> All right. So what did I want to talk about today? Well, it's something that I've just kind of been noticing over the last year or so, and it's this curve of learning things where there's initial excitement, and then once that initial excitement is over, then you get into the nitty-gritty of things, and it becomes difficult, and then we get to this, to this level of frustration, right? And that level of frustration, if it's too high, you won't pursue beyond it. But if you can break through the frustration, then you'll have a moment of clarity and you'll have learned something new about a system that you're working on. And then the process kind of repeats for a lot of the systems that we work on as IT professionals. And I, I think this extends out to the larger world as well. Whenever you're trying to learn a new thing, you're going to hit roadblocks. And if those roadblocks are too large or you're intrinsic motivation to learn the thing is too low, you're just going to stop there. So what does this have to do with anything? Well, I mean, my particular instance today is that I needed to set up some testing. I'm testing out Portworks running on an open OpenShift cluster, which is an interesting project, and then using the PX backup product to backup workloads running in OpenShift using Portworks storage. So that's the thing that I'm trying to do. Now, I'm not super familiar with OpenShift, but I'm pretty good with Kubernetes at this point. So I, there's obviously some overlap there, but then there's a bunch of OpenShift-specific things that I don't know so much about. They have this concept of templates that you can use. theres I don't think there's anything similar in Kubernetes by itself that corresponds to the templates. Uh, not exactly, really. So I had to get used to the idea of templates to deploy an application, and I wanted to use a specific storage class. But of course, the template that I was using doesn't reference a specific storage class. So what I had to do was figure out the template language so that I could add in a storage class parameter and then <laughs> create the objects that are in that template, including the proper storage class that I wanted to use. Now, I mean, that might all sound like gobbledygook to you, and, and don't worry about the particulars. My point is, I hit several points of frustration as I was trying to go through this exercise, but fortunately, I had accumulated enough knowledge about Kubernetes in general, and then also, ironically, the templates are in JSON. I think you can do in YAML as well, but the one that I found is in JSON, and it reminds me a lot of ARM templates, which I've done a lot of work in ARM templates. So the concept of adding parameters to a template, 
In this case, it's an OpenShift template, but it's kind of the same principle as an ARM template. And then referencing that parameter inside the template, none of that's new. It was just taking information I already had and applying it to the new concept. Now, another thing that I've noticed as I'm going through this process, and this is probably a shortcoming of a lot of documentation, it's certainly, certainly something I've encountered in the past, is the instructions for how to set up and use a product make a lot of assumptions about knowledge that you already have. Sometimes that's okay. Sometimes you're, it's safe to assume that if someone's going to use your product, they know enough about a technology to use it. But any assumptions beyond that create a level of frustration. I have certain expectations of what I think a product is going to do. And anytime your product is going to divert from those pretty reasonable expectations, there should be something in the documentation to say, hey, it does it this way, not that way. So don't try to use it in this other way because that's not how it's designed. I know that can be very difficult and obviously there's a ton of edge cases out there, but if you can think of some common ways that someone might try to use your product and then realize that they can't, then there should at least be something in the documentation and maybe that's a note to say to you, hey, maybe we need to go back to our documentation and maybe go back to our product and add that functionality in because that's the way people are expecting to interact with it. And sometimes it's just, I want to understand what's going on underneath and it, the documentation doesn't really dive into those essentials. And I'm gonna use Portworks as an example here. So the idea behind Portworks is you install the Portworks operator and then you create a storage cluster based off of nodes in your environment. Okay, that's pretty straightforward. And then my understanding is any unclaimed storage volumes that are attached to the nodes. So these would be physical drives or you know virtual drives, whatever, that are attached to the node, but they're not mounted and have no file system on them then by default, it's going to claim those volumes to create the storage cluster. Now, you would think that just out of the box, when you install this stuff, it would give you some sort of UI or at least some way to monitor how much storage you're using in that storage cluster, what the health of the storage cluster is, etc. You know, all the kind of information you would expect to see. And the reason I say I would expect to see is because if I'm setting up something that's similar in the world of VMware, if I'm setting up vSAN and I do essentially the same thing, I claim volumes, I put them together, and now I have this sort of distributed storage system, vSAN gives me pretty detailed metrics on how much storage is being used, how that storage is carved up, how much capacity I have, and if I want to add more capacity, how I might go about doing that. And Portworks just didn't have any of that. Now I can install this other thing called PX Central, which is going to take up a whole bunch of room in my cluster to run. And I think that'll give me the information that I'm looking for, but that's a whole other step. And ideally I would like some level of monitoring information fed to me without doing all of that. And there's, there's a possibility that I'm missing something, but it was definitely not obvious in the documentation how I would go about that. So once again, if the frustration level and the level of effort to get over the hump is too high, for instance, I would have to install a completely different product to get this information, well, then I'm probably not going to do it unless there's something about the project I'm working on that requires it. So I guess 
when you're learning something, or actually not when you're learning something, when you're teaching something, what you have to bear in mind is the intrinsic motivations of the people learning the thing, and then the level of frustration that they're going to be willing to deal with to learn the thing. And if you don't provide enough guidance and handholding and breaking down of concepts within your training and within your teaching, then their frustration level is going to get too high and they're going to walk away unless they absolutely have to learn a thing. And then they might still learn it, but they're going to hate you. So <laughs> that's probably not a good look either. So I guess my my conclusion to all of this is as a trainer, I endeavor to break down things enough that someone with the proper motivation can learn the technology and start implementing it. And sometimes people get frustrated and have told me their frustrations through a number of different communications channels. And that has led to me changing some of my approaches in my training. So obviously, if you are writing technical documentation or you're writing training of some kind, have that open channel for your learners to give you feedback, but also try to put yourself in their shoes and figure out the points that will be most frustrating for them and see if there's a way that you can ease things a little bit so they don't hit that wall and just give up and walk away. Because that's ideally that it's not what you want, especially if you're trying to sell a product that people don't necessarily need. So that's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for listening as always. Until next time, stay healthy, stay safe out there. Bye for now.